right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Ballhawks podcast here on a very different time than we normally uh, go live. First thing Sunday morning here. Uh, we have ourselves a, a big guest here, but before that, I think he might cry if I don't introduce him first. He's cried a few times. Uh, my right-hand man, Christopher, some might call him the Doc Emmett Brown of this show, Phillips. How are you doing today, bud? Great, Scott, Marty. <laughs> uh, I'm good, Steve. How are you doing this uh, this Sunday morning? I know we were talking uh, a little bit off air there before we started that you and your daughter are battling a bit of a head cold, um, which, of course, all right before Christmas and while you're packing and getting ready to move house. So other than that, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. This is going to be uh, my last episode in, in the OG crib here. I, I was afraid it was going to be super echoey in here because... Uh, there's just a Lamar Jackson jersey hanging up and nothing else in the room. So that's a little <laughs> strange. <laughs> really, I, I feel so lost in my own space here. Um, <laughs> but we have ourselves a an avid Seahawks fan. Uh, you might know him from television, possibly, if you have that thing called TV. Uh, he appeared on season 15 of the bachelorette and then the fans loved him so much they brought him back for his own season uh season 24 of the bachelor we have peter weber here on the ballhawks podcast how are you doing peter i am good guys it's uh it is great to be on here with you uh i know we've been trying to do it for a little bit but uh, always down to talk football and uh yeah it's a pleasure yeah, thanks for joining us again. Um, do you want to just let everyone know uh, where they can find you? Also, give them the the heads up on your podcast that you run also. Yeah, for sure. Um, so on Instagram, that's mainly where I'm on social media wise. Uh, Pilot Pete, uh, that's my name. And uh, via we just for our podcast, me and my roommate, we just uh, we started a podcast a couple months ago uh, called Bachelors in the City. Um, you can find it, you know, wherever you get podcasts. But pretty much just um, centers a little bit stuff, you know, bachelor related, uh, you know, some recaps here and there, but mainly just our lives, uh, two bachelors living in the city and um, our stories, our adventures and all the craziness that comes along with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of adventures, you uh, just recently released a children's book, uh, The Adventures of Pilot Pete. How how did that all come about? And like, w what inspired you to to write a book of all things? I know it's it's funny. I, I think you know a lot of people go on the show, and it's kind of become a rite of passage. After you leave the show, you go become an author, and you go you know release some book. And uh, I never thought that would ever be a thing for me. Honestly, I never saw that in my you know my future pre pre the show. But it you know definitely gave me an opportunity to kind of go down that route. At first, uh, you know there was thoughts of possibly doing kind of a, a, a you know a bachelor related kind of tell all type thing. Um, but you know, contracts don't really allow a lot of that stuff to happen. So then, uh, the conversation kind of shifted and I didn't even have the idea. It wasn't, it wasn't mine. It was my publisher's idea. He's like, well, what about a children's book? And immediately the second he said it, I was sold. I was like, I knew exactly what I want to do with that. Um, I want to share my, my first love and that was flying, um, and hopefully inspire children to, you know, whether it's flying or something else, just to go pursue whatever, you know, their passion is, whatever their dream is and chase that and never give up until you get it. And so that was that then quickly became uh, the inspiration for the book. It was super fun to to create. Uh, it was, you know, an experience I never, like I said, never would have had 
you know, most likely without the show, but took about a year, year and a half because of COVID um, to kind of get it out. And uh, it's been an absolute joy, actually. Just I got off a of Zoom uh, just prior to this. I was doing a, a reading with, with some people uh, for the book. So it's been really cool just to see it touch the community and, and get messages from children that, um, you know, it's, it's already been touching. Uh, it's, it's been so much more meaningful to me than I ever, I really ever could imagine truly. Um, like I just got a message last, it was like two nights ago is in this, uh, you know, this, this great young boy and, um, you know, he's got, he's got autism and he's kind of struggled with, with reading and, um, never, you know, it's been a struggle with, I guess, his family. And, uh, he's been just obsessed with the book and he's like read it over and over and over. He's been going to his favorite spot on the stairs and they sent me like a video of him reading it. And I was just like, that is something I never in a million years could have ex like expected that feeling of seeing a child like truly just appreciate my book and really gain something from that. Uh, I was extremely touching. So it's been a really, really cool experience. Really grateful for it. Yeah, that's so good to hear. Uh, I, I feel like people need to use their platforms for things like that, where you're, you know, essentially impacting people that you you don't even know probably you know, a fraction of those people that you're actually impacting. Uh, so right. good for you. That's now, great, man. Thank you. Our, our first question here is, uh, it has to do with the children's book. You also recently, I, I want to say maybe like a month or so ago, ran a marathon in New York City. <laughs> Which one was tougher, writing the children's book or running the marathon? Oh, it, hands down that marathon. It, the book was enjoyable. I, it, was, it took a while, but every bit of the process I just enjoyed. It was a trip down kind of memory lane for me um, to bring that story to life. But the marathon, wow, that was, uh, I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner. And I only agreed, to, I, was, I would never have done a marathon. That was never like a thought of mine, but it was for a really good cause. This charity came to me and I was like, hey, you know, you, you want to like join us? We'll raise some money. And and run this marathon. I was like, well, I can't say no to that, but <laughs> I'm like, not, not really. <laughs> and, uh, I said yes to it. I kind of like in my mind, just put it off. I put it off. I have, you know, some good friends here in New York that are runners are, you know, really fitness savvy. And like, dude, you haven't been training. Like you need to, you need to get on this. Like you need to do something. This is not like a piece of cake. <laughs> and, uh, in my mind, I don't know why I just grin. I was flying a lot. So it's kind of hard to, to get some good training, you know, schedules in, but I just put it off. And the only training I did was about three weeks prior to the marathon. I was like, I have to do something. And I have never run more than like a couple of miles in my life. So I'm like, I'm going to run six miles. I'm going to run on the, I live in New York on the east side, down the east side. I was going to run to this bridge and back. It was three miles each way. I do the first three miles and I'm pretty gassed and I don't even turn around and keep going. I stop <laughs> and I like rest for like 10, 15 minutes because I need it. I was like, this is not easy. And uh, then I run the last three miles back. So total of six, but not even together consecutively. And I was like, all right, like, I, I'm not feeling horrible, but like, I'm going to use that and just artificially give myself confidence that I can do 26 point, I think two is what it is, 26.2 miles. And I did it. And it was the only reason I made it through was because the crowd, the crowd's incredible. Like they are in, just encouraging every single runner to just go, go, go and not stop the energy. You tr it's like being in, in, um, I guess Lumen Field now. Um, I know now what it's like to be playing on the field as like a player and have the crowd, the 12th man, truly energize you in a way that's unexplainable because uh, that was what it was like in New York. And it was a true testament to just like willpower because my body was destroyed after, but I, I said I wasn't going to stop, so I didn't. Do you remember what your uh, what your time was? 
Uh, it was nothing good. It was five hours and uh, 12 minutes. Okay. I think that's great. That's yeah. So, and, uh, both my parents run, run marathons as well. And, uh, okay. and they always ask me, they're like, Hey, like you should come run with us. You should come run with us. And I'm just like, Nope. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a runner. Like it's like, I, I run to play sports. Like I, I play soccer, I play lacrosse, but like to run just to run, I, 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 I like you said, ha- having to train a lot to have to do something like that, uh, and, and figure something like that out and how to, I guess, pace your body. Yeah, no, it's true. You, that was the one thing I just like, cause I, you know, I'm very competitive and, you know, every time I've gone running with some friends on a much shorter distance, I've always kind of gone super fast out of the gates. And I was like, I, I can't do this with that. I have to just like pace myself. You have to, else you, you'll just, you'll, you'll, you'll run out of gas halfway through. Uh, or even before that. So that was good. I was able to pace myself and that definitely helped. But man, I, I tell you like mile 18, 19, my body at least was, my legs felt like they were glass, like truly like every step was the most painful step I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm like, wow, I have like eight more miles to go. Like this is, <laughs> insane. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but yeah, you, you just, somehow you find a way. So it was definitely, it was a, uh, it was a cool moment to just prove to myself. You can do whatever you set your mind to. Yeah, See, awesome. Christopher, maybe, maybe this is like the inspiration you need uh, right here. You're like, hey, he's also not a runner. I'm not a runner. He completed it. Maybe you can complete it also, Chris. Guarantee. If I can do it, Chris, you can do it. I promise you that. I, I swear. <laughs> I'm sprints. I play football. That's it. Not long distance. If I can do it, I guarantee you can. Uh, Steve, Steve's seen me run. I, I don't know. <laughs> Might have to be never say bad. never yeah yeah we'll we'll see maybe uh maybe that'll be a goal for 2022 <laughs> do it man hey, come out try to get on the new york city marathon and we'll run together hey, or yeah. our 12th man jerseys and uh that'll be a good time yeah yeah okay i'll i'll i'll, I'll see what i can what i can work out because is that one that you just do you register for it or do you have to qualify for it so you know boston you have to qualify for boston yeah well uh i know that you can you can either qualify, which I never would have done, or you get in through you know raising money via a charity. So that will probably be our best bet. So I can introduce you to some people, and we can just okay. try to raise some money to get in. Yeah, uh, there there we go. I've got a a friend chiming in here. Go, Chris. Go. We'll cheer you on. So thank, thanks, Nigel. I'll uh, I'll see what I what what I can do here. Uh, people, we'll we'll stay in contact, and and uh, and we'll see if we can. Like you said, work some out for for charity, and and uh, I'd be happy to run it with you in our twelve jerseys. Yeah, but, man, that'd be pretty cool. Then of we course, get we, Blitz to do it with us. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Get Blitz to do it in the the, the full getup and, and everything. The full twenty six point two miles. I would, <laughs> I would expect from Blitz. The thing is, I I actually believe that Blitz could do that. So I got I yeah. got faith in him. There you go. And that's, I mean, of course, uh, you know, to segue into what, you know, we brought you on here because you're, you're a Seahawks fan and we wanted to talk football with you. Um, This all kind of started, you know, like you said, on, on Instagram, which uh, I'm going to give a special shout out to Steve's wife, Alyssa. She saw you post something about, uh, about the Seahawks uh, game that you're uh, going to, and you're giving away some tickets and she's like, Hey, like, Ballhawks podcast. You guys should get uh, Pete on your on your show. He's a huge Seahawks fan, and I was like, "Yeah, I would absolutely love to do it." And you know, next thing you know, we're we're DMing each other and we're we're making it work. And um, you know, this is the the one and only time that my wife is actually listening to my <laughs> podcast. Um, she, she actually asked if if she could be a guest this week as well. So, um, oh, I love it. You got to give her a shout out for me. 
yeah, I'll, she's watching on Facebook. So if you just want to say hi to hi to Nadine, she'll she'll probably run downstairs and you'll Nadine, what's up? Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, you went to the uh, the Matt Hasselbeck Ring of Honor game. I did. Um, I just want to know. I mean, of course, like that game is a is a huge game, but also just being back in Lumen Field, back with the Twelves. Uh, of course, it was an empty stadium last year. So, just what was it like being at you know that game specifically, and just also being with with the crowd? Oh man, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I uh, yeah, I'd been invited to go out there, and uh, obviously could not pass that opportunity up. Um, heard it was going to be the Matt Hasselbeck game, uh, and Matt was Matt was you know I was a fan of when I first got became a Hawks fan, Kitna was our quarterback. And so I, I was actually my first Jersey it was a John Kitna Jersey. And I was, you know, a big Kitna fan, but Matt was really the quarterback that I like really kind of, you know, growing up just connected with. And like once that, you know, I think every 12 goes to this, like you can be a fan, you know, people are fans of sports, but like as a 12, there's something special, like something different that connects you with the team just because of our, you know, 12th man connection. Um, and once that passion takes off, it's like, you never, you'll never, nothing will ever come close to that never nothing compares and so when i was really getting hooked on the hawks that was when matt was battling with dilford to take the lead and then you know he became our, our quarterback and so i just you know i had a matt hasselbeck jersey for the longest time that was like my main go-to um and it was just so surreal to i you know before the game uh we did a little um like a little kind of a sofa talk with uh with some guys from the hawks uh before the game and i had, had to go actually after matt and matt had gone before me and i'm here sitting like why the hell do they have me go after matt hasselbeck like i you can't follow that why would they do that to me uh like let me go before and let matt come after like you can't follow up matt hasselbeck especially for that day and uh, anyways it's, it is what it is um i went on and made a joke about that um but uh, it was super cool. I was for, I didn't meet him then. I saw him like he was coming off stage as I was going on. And uh, I was like, damn, I got like, I, I got to meet him. That'd be so cool to, to meet him. And then, um, you know, we do that little little sofa talk. The game starts um, or watching the game. And uh, it's just every time I'm in that stadium, every single time, it's just it's goosebumps. It's so freaking electric. The energy's insane. I never once left that stadium with a normal voice. I'm always hoarse voice and then lose it two days later and it's gone for a week but it's so worth it and to be able to feel that again and just like connect with all the 12s was incredible um i got to go down actually it's a moment i'll never forget i got to go down onto the field for halftime or right before halftime and do a little um qb competition with blitz and as we're waiting to go on there it was at the two minute warning matt's coming out as well with his family because they're going to do the whole presentation at halftime after and um he comes on and he walks by and i didn't look at see him and then blitz goes and runs up to him has him come over i got to go you know meet matt for the first time and like just tell him how big of a fan i was i got a picture with him wearing his you know number eight jersey and it was just a very very special moment um you know that i'll never forget um and got to you know watch his ceremony shortly after that be inducted into the ring of honor and uh just be so proud to kind of be a part of that and um have rooted him on for so long and uh yeah, I mean, he's our first, like, there's so many memories that, you know, he's given us as 12s, um, being able to meet him and just such a great guy. Uh, you could just tell from the, you know, minute there I was talking with him. It was really special. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it sounds like we became Seahawks fans a a around the same time. You were right before me. I, I started cheering kind of early 2000s after Matt 
right when Matt and Trent were kind of battling for, for the starting position there as well. And yeah, and like you said, it's just, um, you know, totally feel this special bond with, with the team and, and, you know, Matt being the quarterback when I first started cheering for the team and, and just watching him lead the team to a Super Bowl and, and, and all those things that, that he did. And, and plus, I mean, everything that he did off the field, he was always, you know, represented the, the, the city and the team, you know, really well. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was really cool to see him, uh, you know, get that honor. I think it was a well-deserved and probably long overdue honor. I don't know about you, but isn't it kind of weird seeing somebody wear number eight again? Like I think it's Dunlap, right? Has there, has eight, right? Yeah, it, like not only is somebody wearing eight for I think the first time since Matt wore it, but right. it's a guy on defense, and it's just like it's super bizarre. I I personally don't like it. I would like <laughs> I don't think it looks good on D lineman. I'm just being honest. Um, like the single digit. Uh, but yeah, I feel like I feel like eight should be retired. I don't know. I agree. I I I don't. I, I, I said the same thing when yeah. they put him in the Ring of Honor. I'm like I'm like personally like. I know they save the the retirement for the guys that make it in the Hall of Fame, but I think Matt was just he was so special and I think meant so much to to the team and and the city of Seattle that I feel like regardless of Hall of Fame, I, he deserves that honor more than uh, you know maybe anyone else that hasn't made the Hall of Fame for the for the Hawks. I, I totally agree with you. I I feel like if which you know obviously you guys kind of feel the same. Um, if you have that moment where a fan, it's a true fan, looks at a number and it just doesn't feel right, that's yeah. a sign to the team that, okay, we should retire this number. And it just, at least for me, maybe, and you, maybe we're, we're by ourselves. But um, I feel like, yeah, if there's any, I think Matt is totally deserving of that, to have it retired. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'd love to see it. It was super cool, too. You know, actually, when, when he was on stage, he was asked about um, one of his favorite moments as a, you know, as a Seahawk. And he brought up the uh, the Redskin game. It was I, guess, I think it was our yeah. first or the first time we won a playoff game with him in Seattle. Yep. yep. And it was so incredible. I like couldn't believe he was saying that because that was my first game I ever went to as a, oh, as wow. a Seahawks fan. And I then got asked about that just like ten minutes later. I'm like, it's so crazy that Matt just said this. That was one of his favorite memories. That was the first time I ever went to. It was Quest back then, the Quest Field, yeah. and I was with my dad. And I remember vividly the touchdown he threw to DJ Hackett. And just like I had that picture as my background on my laptop for the longest time, like him, like he was like pointing up and um, it was just it was the coolest thing. And that was one of his favorite stories. So all in all, yeah, I I'm that's all really, for retiring his number. Yeah, that's really good. It's funny you say that because like my vivid moment from that game is when he scrambled for that. What was it like 16 yard touchdown? And like as he's going into the end zone, he's got the ball up in the air as he's sliding it. Yes. Yes. Right. Like every like I I say that, and you could probably just picture it in your head. Like I know I'm picturing it in my head right now, and um, it, it's too bad ESPN didn't show the the whole ceremony. Um, I know it was on YouTube after the fact. Um, okay. You had a great I, speech I, too. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked to have. have yeah. I mean, God, I I would have loved to have been there live. Um, yeah. But of course, the the, the border is making that a little difficult right now. So. Sure. But talking you. about being uh, Seahawks fans, I mean, you're uh, you, you said you started cheering uh, when Kitna was the quarterback. So that's probably the, the, the late 90s. I think it would have been yep. um, guy that grew up in California. How did how <laughs> why and how the Seahawks? <laughs> yeah, well, even crazier, actually. So I didn't move to California until uh, I was like 12 or 13. I originally became a Hawks fan, probably as far away from Seattle as you can be. It was a town called Boca Raton, Florida, close just north of Miami. So you, you look on a map. 
of how far away those spot those places are it's you can almost not get farther um and i became a hawks fan because my dad he used to live in seattle and so he was in seattle when the team was founded and so it just became a 12 instantly and got hooked and then as my brother and i um you know i have a little brother as we got older and kind of got into football it was just you know immediate we became 12s and started cheering and you know, I remember, yeah, the first couple of games, Ricky Waters, John Kitten, uh, Sean was coming on, um, Matt was coming on, and, it, you know, Sean Springs and, um, you know, all those great guys, uh, you know, playing in the old, old time, you know, classic uniforms. And but I was in my aunt close to Miami and nothing, there was never I remember I'd go to like a grocery store and like you'd be, see like the little toy, like where you put the coin, the quarter in to get like a bobblehead um, or a little no, helmet bobblehead for a football team or something. And it was, everything was Dolphins, right? Or whatever the team, what the East Coast teams, a, a lot of AFC teams, nothing was ever Seahawks, not, no jerseys, nothing. And I just always was like so sad as a little kid, like I would just want to see something Seattle wise, something. And it just didn't exist. And all I had, all I got was, you know, watching them on TV. That was the only time I could ever experience them. And then I remember fine, we moved out to LA when I was like 12 or 13. Uh, and shortly after we went to our first game, the Redskins game. Um, and that was the first time where I was like, I landed in Seattle and immediately at SeaTac, you see the rest, you know, all the Seahawk, you know, gear and all the, the restaurants that are themed. And I'm like, these are my people. Like, <laughs> this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And I just like, I ate it up like crazy going to Pike's market and just seeing everyone just crazy about the Hawks. And then at that time, a quest was just insane, shaking like no other. Uh, it was so special to finally like connect with other, you know, 12s because it had been so long that I didn't get to do that. And I was going to say like, so like all your friends, probably, you know, growing up, they were Dolphins fans yep. or, um, I guess the Rams would have been in St. Louis, so maybe 49ers fans uh, for, for your friends growing up. And what was like, like, were they always like picking on you? Cause you know, your, your team wasn't very good to start there. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2006, you got to kind of shove it back in their faces or what? Yep. Oh, totally, man. I, I remember, yeah, it was a bunch of, bunch of, uh, it was Dolphins fans. I remember Jets fans. And then they did have a lot of Niners jerseys. Actually, they would, they would sell. I remember still in the grocery stores I would see and all the shops. Um, but yeah, I was literally the only Hawks fan, the, the only one. And I'd always, you know, when the team gets hot at the end of the year and they're going to make it and then they, they, they lose. Or I remember the, the game against the Packers, you know, when, you know, unfortunately the pick six ended it in Lambeau. Um, you know, up to that point, like I'm so high on the Hawks, so high on life that they're going to do it and get there. And like, I'm, I don't care what everyone's saying, like they're all against me, but like, it doesn't matter. Like I, I see something, this team's special. Right. And, um, you know, it never happened, never happened. And then I moved to LA and still, you know, I, I remember where I got these, uh, when I went to that game, I got, you know, these, um, like sweatbands, the Seahawks sweatbands <laughs> that I would wear to, to school. <laughs> and I was just like so obsessed and I'm um, just like repping them through the playoffs and like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then, Oh my God, that, that feel, I remember that that took me so long to get over our, our Super Bowl loss against the Steelers. I'm, like I know I'm still fan. not over it. Like I, I don't think I, we'll ever get over it. I, I still hold more bitterness towards that one than I do Super Bowl 49 to the Patriots. Do you really? Oh, big time. Yeah. Because I, I feel like the Seahawks lost Super Bowl 49. I feel yeah, like... Yeah, we didn't lose the 40. No. Super Bowl 40 got taken from us. I think. Uh, that and, and I don't care who you are. If you unbiasedly look at it, it, it is what it is. It's a fact. And it's it's sickening still, definitely. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I don't even want to go through those feelings again because they're going yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, um, totally. And like, there's there's so many things that like, you know, you, you just think like, you know, you talk about the Roethlisberger touchdown, and immediately that brings up emotions, or the Daryl yeah. Jackson pat, pass interference, and again, that's more emotions, right? Like, there's so many things from that game that it just, yeah, like, they, I'll I'll never forget my reaction in in the moment. I got up off the the couch as uh, I was. 19 at the time got up off the couch threw my hat on the floor stormed out of the room went to the kitchen to grab a beer and my (laughs) it's actually funny my uh girlfriend at the time who is actually now currently my wife uh comes into the kitchen and she's like to like you know like it's okay and like she walks in she's like smiling like oh like it's okay i'm like I don't know what you're smiling about. There's nothing to be happy about right now. And I just like <laughs> grabbed my beer and walked away. And yep. Somehow Man. she still married me. <laughs> hey, well, that's a keeper right there. No, no doubt. But yeah, man, I, I remember, remember when like it was Tony Ventrella, he would do the, uh, the videos like at practice or behind the scenes. He'd always post on the website. I don't, I don't know when he went away. I, I loved his stuff though. Uh, he was like the Seahawks insider. Yeah. And, you'd always interview the players after the game too. And I remember, man, it was, it, it was after the loss and he was interviewing Mac strong. And like, I just wanted to like cry, like watching Mac talk about the game and just how close it was and how, how much it stung to him, you know, obviously being a player. It, yeah, it was, it was rough. That's, that's too bad. It, that listen, that was our, our Super Bowl. You know, there's no way Steelers fans can feel good about that. If, if they're being honest, there's just, there's no way. Well, we all know that Steelers fans are dirty cheaters. So uh, as the non-Seahawks <laughs> fan in, in this room right now, uh, they are cheaters all the time. Time after time. <laughs> that that one that one hurt me, obviously not as much as you guys, but watching your arch nemesis win the Super Bowl when not they don't film. deserve to win it uh, is ju- not just as, but fairly sickening as well. Oh, that's why it felt so great to see you guys beat the Niners. I was so yeah. happy that that happened. Like that was that yeah. was incredible. After they tried yeah. shutting the lights off on us to win. Yep. Old no, NFL totally. just wanting those historic teams to uh, to prevail. Um, yeah. same, same with when the when the Chiefs beat the Niners a couple of years ago. It's just like oh. I can't I cannot <laughs> I deal game, yeah. with the Niners fans if they somehow pull this off. Like I just yep. I can't handle it. I was Please. so happy. It felt so good. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, like and the Rams too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, when the Patriots beat the Rams as well. And we're, uh, we're the last NFC West team to have won, right? We're the last champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's something yeah. no one else can say. Yeah, because I, 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 I think. Well, no, because the the Rams would have been the NFC West in ninety. When did they win it? Ninety nine. I think they were. Yeah. The, but we won after the, them. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Ours was after, and then the Cardinals lost. Niners have lost. Rams. So yeah, we're the last winner. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny that you guys say, like, you, you can't handle listening to another 49ers fan win a Super Bowl. I, I remember uh, the one they played against the Ravens. They were coming into it as this, like, pretty boy poster child of the NFL. 5-0 and in Super Bowls. No one's ever going to be able to derail this, like, golden team. And just all I heard for weeks was how, like, the Ravens had no chance. And, like, it was the Niners game. And it was very good to sort of just shut them up. It, I, don't, I don't like their fans. Any like Niners fan I've come across is to haven't, I don't know. They're, they, they annoy me as well. So, Oh, totally. Um, no, I feel you. 
Let's get into some current uh, NFL stuff here. This might be a, a little sour, sour taste here, but uh, obviously no secret. The, the Seahawks are facing quite a bit of adversity this year. Um, probably the most that they've faced in the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era. Um, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people are saying it's time to move on from one or both of them. Um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? And just like, just the current season as a whole, what, what are your ideas? I mean, yeah, there's no, no skating around that this season has been rough, you know, as a, as a Hawks fan, it's, you know, been a bummer. Um, first time we've had to deal with Russ being out for, for an injury, you know, you get so, so you get spoiled at some point when your quarterback is just so durable and so consistent and can not only just play for such a long, you know, so many consecutive games, but perform at a high level and not really have slumps for so many high games. Um, and so, you know, immediately that goes out the wayside and it's like, this is new territory. That's tough. Um, I, you know, through those games that Russ was out, pretty much every single game was winnable. Not, no game was really, you know, what the Steelers, that was, that was a winnable game. The Rams, we almost came back when Gino first went, that was a winnable game. Um, it, it, you know, maybe I'm just the eternal optimist, but it still inspired a ton of confidence in me in the team, being able to rally around Gino and with Russ being out to still be in those games and not really be blown out. Um, obviously, you know, being close doesn't count in the league and you got to get the win. And we didn't, you know, with those couple of games, but listen, I know there's been a ton of talk with, you know, is it time for Russ to go? Is it time for Pete to go? And I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I really don't. I, I really think that, yes, I think that Pete has a different coaching style that is um, people are maybe moving away from. They're going for the younger coaches, you know, the offensive gurus, the Sean McVay's, the, you know, I forgot the guy's name from the Cardinals, but I don't know. Again, maybe I'm the eternal optimist. We're on a two-game win streak right now. Um, you know, it's the NFL already did us dirty moving this game, you know, to Tuesday. Um, and that's that says something, I think. Um, but I think they're definitely that's benefiting the Rams, no doubt, because, you know, just Seattle is what we only had two two, uh, you know, cases. Yes, it sucks that lock it out. So hopefully we can get them back and that can help ben- benefit us as well. Um, but I think this two game win streak goes into a third. I think this week we. Uh, we gain some some good traction uh, for today. Even before we play, we're going to gain some good traction because there's so many NFC West or NFC head-to-head battles um, with teams that are ahead of us. So you're guaranteed a loss or a tie between one of those teams. Um, so we're going to pick up ground today, guaranteed. We'll see how much more ground we can pick up in uh, on Tuesday. And yes, right now the seventh seventh seed is really the only option we have to get into the playoffs. But once you're in, that's all that matters. You saw that with Beast Quake and um, a losing record getting into the playoffs and we won and so anything can happen in the playoffs anything all that matters is the hot team at the right time uh so we got russ back he's getting better and better um you know i don't want to see him go anywhere i think russ needs to be a hawk forever and i think carol's got some more years in him too yes there was a rough you know patch there but um that's quickly quickly forgotten with a hot run at the end of a season and we got four games left i think we're going to do just that um and it all starts beating the Rams. I was so bummed. I was supposed to go to the game. I was going to be at the game today. I was going to fly out to LA and then it freaking got canceled. So I can't go because I got work uh, starting on Tuesday. 
Um, but I was going to yell my head off, uh, you know, at SoFi <laughs> to get the uh, Hawks that win. But, but I really, I really do believe that we're coming on strong at the right time. Um, I don't know. I've been, I've been impressed with their defense as of late. Uh, I really have. And, you know, Rashad, I think he is going to start finding his groove. It's about time, but better late than never. And um, I don't know. Watch it. I think we're going to be flying under the radar, which I am totally, totally okay with. And I think at the end, I think that last game of the season, we're going to have a chance to get that seventh seed. It's going to be down to the last game. I think we get it. And then it's anyone's game. The NFL is so wild right now. Like the fact that we're even talking about the Seahawks still having a chance, like obviously, I know. You, know, you were mentioning the the run there when, when Russ went out and I know Chris, Chris and I, when we were on the pod here, you know, you could see his morale is, is a little lower obviously. And uh, yeah, the fact that you're one game out of a playoff spot and incredible, you know, if the NFL has taught us anything about this year is that anybody can beat anybody on any given week especially in a pandemic world like you just you don't even know who's going to show up to the games let alone uh you know what two teams are going to get in yeah no i mean that factor that sucks that that's the case because you know you hate to think like shit you get to a a great you know spot in the playoffs and then you lose your your quarterback or something because of a you know covid thing so hopefully you know knock on wood that doesn't happen for any teams um but yeah there i don't i don't remember a season like this I really don't. I have to go way back. I don't really remember a season where there were just so many teams jumbled in together within a couple games of each other. There was very, you know, not very many runaway teams that are just killing it. Um, like every team's got quite a bit of losses at this point in the season. And I don't know. I think it makes it, that's good for the NFL. I think that's, you know, the competition aspect. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great. I think it was great to see, you know, I saw Russ really just kind of get Russ back a couple times there in Houston last week and just like get pumped. And you saw that energy because, yeah, the morale, of course, it's low. You're losing. Why would it be high? But what I love about Russ is his eternal optimism. And it's always next game, always compete. Let's go, you know, feel good about the next day. What do we have next? You know, his three P's. And um, I don't know, I, as a Hawks fan, yes, it's e- it's easy. You could, the one thing it's like, as a Hawks fan, you know, when your team, the only time I remember, like, it was like, okay, we have a horrible season, but at least we're going to get some great draft picks when we had the year with the two first rounds with Earl and, and Russell Okung when we got to draft him. But this year, there is no option for that because we don't get a first round <laughs> pick. And you don't want to give New York uh, anything, right? So, like, we, there's no reason not to root and root and root. And again, we're one game out. So, why not? And I'll add in, like, that, that's been one of the more frustrating parts about all of this, too, is that, like, Usually if your team's not doing well, you're, you're kind of like, okay, well, like we're not doing well, but I've got this top five draft pick. This you can look forward to that. Draft pick. Exactly, right? You've got, you got something to look forward to. Like, okay, like we're not doing great, but this gives us an opportunity to build and be, be, be better next year and get, you know, some stud rookie on a, on a rookie contract, what have you. Yep. Um, and we don't have that to look forward to, right? So that's all we can do is try to be optimistic and, and cheer and, and hope for the best and, and see Seattle, um, you know, yeah sneak in through the back door and get that seventh seed um it's yeah you, you mentioned it's like the, the, what's that saying it's like it's like sink the ships you know like don't give yourself an op away there's no way out anymore like there's nothing there's to look forward to if you have a bad season so like sink, give it all put it all in right now because there's no reason to hope for anything else um yeah and that's kind of been i mean seattle's mo the the, the last few seasons is is 
put all their chips in the middle and and go for it. I mean, they're they're not uh, they're not stupid by any means. They they know that their window is going to close. Um, you know, Russ is only going to be Russ for so long, and and Pete only has so many years left in the league. And John Schneider, I mean, you know, to a certain degree, has to has to prove his worth as well. So they they certainly have been putting their chips in in the middle. Um, you know, the last two to three years for sure with with some of the some of the trades that they've made. So. Hopefully they can, you know, it all starts on Tuesday, like you said, one game at a time. Hopefully, hopefully they can win out and and we can see, you know, some of these other teams ahead of us lose uh, one or two, and and we can sneak our way into the playoffs. And you know, like you said, uh, the the beast quake is a prime example. You just you just have to get there. You just have to get there, totally. And like I said, I mean, we're guaranteed today. We're making ground. That's a guarantee. So without even playing. Um, and I think anytime you have a healthy Russell Wilson, I don't care what team we're playing, we have a chance. There, yeah. I think there's like one or two games, one or two. The only one I could think of offhand was there's one against the Chargers. But one or two where when Russell was healthy or when we were playing with him, where at the end, if we were losing, we didn't have a chance to come back for a game tying or winning score. There's one or two games in his entire career of over 10 years. So you always got a chance when you have a healthy Russ. Yeah, there, there was one against the Rams for sure a few years ago that I can remember. And the only re- reason I remember it is it, uh, it, it happened during the fantasy football uh, playoffs and I had too many Seahawks and it sunk my team. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I've done that many times where I, like, yeah. I'll draft the Hawks players just because I can't not. And sometimes it bites you. But it, you it's funny. I, I, I only lost that matchup by like three or four points. And that's because I, I had a whole bunch of Seahawks players on my roster. But I also had Todd Gurley, who had something like four touchdowns that game. Um, oh, so he, he kept me in it. But yeah, I uh, it, like you said, anytime we have Russ, we're, we're not we're not too far out of out of it for sure. Hey, we just want a chance. That's all we need. Yeah. You just need an invitation to the dance. Then then you can find your partner. Um, Absolutely. So we let's move on to something we do here every week. We we can't not include you in this, Peter. Um, yeah, you obviously listen to every episode, but for for everyone who doesn't, I'll I'll recap kind of what this is. It's called the Third Down. Uh, it's sponsored by Bad Tattoo Brewing in Kelowna here. So uh, maybe after you guys do your marathon in New York together, you can fly back out west, and we'll go out for uh, pizza and beer. At, uh, at our sponsors. Uh, so what it is, is I'm going to give you guys some different matchups. This week, uh, I'm going to give you all Seahawks, obviously, stuff. And I'm going to pit two things against each other. And then you've got to give me your winner of the matchup. And then we'll, okay. we'll recap it and we'll see who does a better job. Um. So this week we're going to do uh, best of Seahawk favorite things just because I, I want to see both of you squirm just a little bit and, you know, having to pick between your two children kind of idea. Uh, <laughs> so uh, are you guys right. ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Third down. All right. I'm uh, so I'm going to give the first. Well, we'll start with Peter here. Uh, your first matchup is. One actually, both guys we've been talking about, uh, running back Sean Alexander, and of course, you can't compare him against anyone but Marshawn Lynch. So, oh god, the battle of the running backs coming in hot to start here. Who, who you got? Oh no, 
that's the sky. Why would you do that? That's horrible. <laughs> um, oh my god. Um, I, I don't. I, I legit. I'm. I am going to flip a freaking coin because I can't pick this. This is. I can't. All right. Sil- silver is Sean. Black is is Marshawn. He's flipping Wait. the Apple remote. Silver. It's, it's it's Sean. I I have so many vivid memories of both and being like just the biggest fan of both. Um, I, I'm going with Sean just because purely chance. But um, that that's that's bad. Don't do that again. That's horrible. <laughs> that's a mean one. Hey? All right, Christopher, you're up on the hot seat. Who you got? Um, I, I just want to uh, firstly before I give my answer to say to Peter, welcome to the third down segment. <laughs> this is uh, it's not going to get easier from here. I, I I feel like. Oh man. Um. It's, I mean, Marshawn was so important to to the team and the Seahawks, Seahawks success and, and a lot of those early Russell Wilson years. And I mean, of course, nobody's ever going to forget the beast quake. Um, but for me, it's Sean Alexander. He is the only Seahawks player to ever win an MVP um, after he yeah. broke the single season touchdown record with i think it was 27 touchdowns in in one season for um for a running back anyways uh, which ladanian tomlinson broke the following year um it was the very first seahawks jersey i ever owned was a sean alexander jersey um there's again so many memories of of him just dominating the league for a number of years which i mean a lot of that can be attributed to probably walter jones and steve hutchinson as well um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's Sean Alexander for me as well. Interesting. I, I would have loved to have seen beast mode run behind Walton and, and Hutch in that line and Tobek oh. and Locklear and gray. That would have been, that would have been incredible too. It, it would have been unfair. He, he might yeah. have hit 3000 yards if, if he yeah, got that. It, it was already unfair for Sean. I mean, everybody <laughs> knew they were running left and, and teams still couldn't stop it. So, I mean, could you imagine like, that that blocking up front with Marshawn's like, I'm gonna run through your face attitude. That would have been yeah. Sean had the finesse, you know, and yeah. I I think yeah. I mean, I did it to the land, to chance there, but I think too yeah. I, I think I'd have to lean Sean too a little bit just because he he didn't have any prior like family right, and so like Marshawn, I kind of felt like you knew him from Buffalo a little bit, and then we adopted him. But Sean was like born and raised, you know, with Seattle. Um, yeah. that there is something special about that, that, you know, you ha- you can't go unsaid. Um, but man, that's a tough, that's a tough one for sure. All right. Well, just to make things even more interesting, it's, it's not going to get easier. Um, a, a little background oh, cool. history here. We had a Ravens guest on and, and Chris kind of sabotaged both of us. So it, unfortunately you got, you got the, uh, the revenge third down here, Peter, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make Chris go first on this one. I'll give you a little extra think time. Uh, yeah. y- you knew it was coming if I did battle of the running backs, uh, battle of the quarterbacks. We've got the current Russell Wilson, only player to bring Seattle a Super Bowl versus the guy we were talking about earlier, Matt Hasselbeck. Who you got, Chris? Yeah, this this one's this one's tough. Like, like you said, Russ is is the guy that that brought the Lombardi to Seattle. He's he's the guy that you know, regardless of our feelings about Super Bowl Forty, Russ is the quarterback that uh, that that did get it done. Um, 
I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would argue it was the LOV that got it done, but that's that's a conversation for for a different time. <laughs> um, Russ holds all the record. If he doesn't hold every single Seahawks passing record already, he he will. Um, I, I I'm positive he's surpassed Matt for passing yards, completions, touchdowns, etc. Um, I mean, he is we, in Seattle. We've never seen a quarterback like Russell Wilson. But, and I'm going to take my camera off my laptop for a second here. Don't mind all the kids' toys in the background. I don't know if you guys can see that. There you go. Yep. There you that go. Is an autographed Matthew Hasselbeck jersey. I have said it before on this show that Matt Hasselbeck is a big reason why I started cheering for the Seattle Seahawks. He was the quarterback when I started cheering for this team. Some of his his moments I'll I'll never forget, uh, good and bad, and for that reason um, I I have to choose Matt Hausbeck. Ask has, me when ask yeah. me when Russell Wilson's career in Seattle is is done, and and I might might change my tune, um, but maybe it's the the nostalgia I, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's Matt for me. Peter, who do you have? Yeah, man, I um I mean great great reasoning behind all that and uh i I actually i I agree with you i have to go with matt matt was just for me i and i kind of already told you guys you know a little bit how much he's meant to me just growing up as a fan and watching him but i don't know if it's the same way for anyone else for me i actually we've now you know we've been to a super bowl we've been to a super bowl and won we've been to a super bowl and lost so we've experienced all what every feeling you can feel and Really, I, I don't know if a little bit is just because it was the first time, but for me, I, I still think the the most pride I think I've ever, this may sound weird, but the most pride and just like pure, just joy, happiness, all the above feelings for the Hawks that I've ever felt was when we were lifting that trophy for the NFC Championship game against Carolina at Quest on our way to our, it was the first time that it's ever been done. And the excitement of wanting it so bad, you know, I've been being a fan now for, for quite a while, waiting for that moment, it finally happens. I, I don't know if I've ever actually, even after we won the Super Bowl against the Broncos, while that was an, such a beautiful, amazing experience, we won, we finally did it. I don't know if it compares to getting there, getting to the big dance, you know, for the first time, in my opinion, being able to do it in Seattle and with Matt being at the forefront of all that, um, it was, that was so special. And like, I think, um, you know, yes, obviously we'll forever be indebted to Russ for giving us our first actual Lombardi, you know, obviously, I don't know. I think a little bit too is the nostalgia for it, for me kind of creeps in and has me lean a little towards, you know, Matt's side, um, same thing. One of my first jerseys, I have, you know, a signed Matt, Matt, uh, you know, picture, you know, in my, in my childhood room back home, um, you know, forever. And then being able to meet him too for his ring of honor. So, um, very, very difficult again, but I would sway a little bit towards, towards Matt. It's, it's always interesting how, uh, nostalgia versus recency bias kind of plays into a sports fan thing. Like you, you almost, you almost want the nostalgia to be, uh, the, the the better one even if the result wasn't uh what you wanted for it because yeah you just remember it so much more fondly Um, oh yeah for sure 
well, this one, th my next matchup here, uh, pretty much follows that exactly. There's one nostalgia and one more recent. Uh, this is the battle of the better soundbite. So we've got Matt's We Want the Ball and We're Going well, to Score. We're going to score. And we're pinning that versus Marshawn Lynch's I'm Just Here So I Don't Get Fine. <laughs> don't get fine. <laughs> uh, let's start with Peter on this one. <laughs> Oh man, oh, those are great sound bites. Um, you gotta, you gotta love Marshawn. I think, uh, I think I still go. I go with Matt. So we want the ball, and we're gonna score. I can hear it vividly in my voice with him, with the ref at the, the coin toss, you know, calling it with the beanie on. And um, I, you know, at that point, still like you just, it was you're you're all behind Matt. You're up behind the Hawks, and Matt's the leader of that team. And you know sure was it cocky to say what I, I don't care it was awesome like who doesn't love that kind of confidence coming from your leader in such a pivotal moment hostile environment in green bay everyone's against us it doesn't matter we know what we're doing and even though it didn't happen um it's like the fact that i think everyone still like was so behind matt and never like really wavered like they were heartbroken everyone's heart he was heartbroken you know to have that happen the way it did but um to still be on you know behind him so strongly um it you know it didn't affect anything that's pretty powerful in itself uh so i i would say i, I gotta say that even though it hurts <laughs> chris who you got uh, <laughs> um i'm i'm not just trying to be a good host by constantly agreeing with our with our guest peter here <laughs> Anyone that's listened to this show knows how many times I've talked about we want the ball and we're going to score. And everyone knows that that singular moment is a big reason when I knew and why I stuck with Seattle. I was like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, yeah, these are my guys. Like, these are my yeah. guys. That's my quarterback. Like Peter just said, that's my leader. That That's the guy that's leading the squad and – yeah, it, it's we want the ball and we're going to score. I, 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 as much as you know, I'm just here so I don't get fined. It is it's such a good sound. <laughs> iconic, yeah. Iconic. Everybody knows that one. You know, you, you know why I'm here. Like, I'm just, he just here did so a I commercial. Kind of off that too with Subway. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. He, he just did a commercial <laughs> with that. that, and uh, it's just it's one of those things where it, it's iconic. But so is the we want the ball and we're going to score, especially because of you know the way it it ended. Right. Um, for, for the Seahawks. But yeah, that, that one moment I've talked about many times with Steve. Um, What's okay. up? <laughs> um, and, and discussed how much I, I, I loved that, that one moment. So, and, uh, totally. Chris, see if I can, uh, uh, just, just copy and Peter here. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Chris, it's, it's not the best way to win the third down, but, uh, if that's your strategy, uh, you roll with it for as long as you can. Uh, <laughs> we've got our fourth and final matchup here of the third down segment. So this one comes down to two of maybe the most iconic, more recent, but two very iconic moments in Seahawk playoff history. Uh, you guys have been, been mentioning it throughout the Beast Quake run, uh, probably my favorite soundbite listening to uh, Mike Mayock tell 
the whole world. Oh my god! Get off of him! He says to Tracy Porter as he Get throws him, him. Uh, across the world, basically. So there's Beastquake uh, versus the picture that Chris has up behind him, the Richard Sherman tip Sherman. on Michael Crabtree to uh, end the Niners' hope. Uh, I'm gonna go with Chris on this one first. Which one you got? Oh, this is this is the toughest for me. Um, I mean, both were such pivotal moments. I mean, you, you could almost throw in like there, there's been a, a lot of big moments in Seahawks history. Um, you know, th- those moments that I remember exactly where I was type moments. Um, you know, for me, the the Tony Romo uh, fumbled the snap mm-hmm. in the uh, wild card game against the Cowboys. I remember mm-hmm. exactly where I was and what my reaction was for that one. Uh, the Jermaine curse uh, overtime Packers. touchdown catch against the Packers, the NFC championship game. Um, I remember exactly where I was and my reaction in that one. Actually, um, my my daughter, Olivia, that just uh, just popped in the screen <laughs> there. She was an, a, a newborn baby uh, for that Jermaine curse catch. And I had her in my arms when he caught that touchdown. And I jumped up off the couch and my wife's like, Christopher, like, <laughs> give me our baby like, before you drop her. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> uh, the Beastquake. I remember exactly where I was when the Beastquake happened. I was actually, I was at work. Um, and I remember I was in the lunchroom at work and I was screaming at the TV like, oh my God, oh my God, go, go, go. And like one of the guys that, like, that I work with came to lunch work, into lunchroom to make sure that everything was okay because I was making so much racket. Yep. But with that, it's all of those I remember where I was moments. I actually don't remember exactly where I was for the tip. I don't remember my exact reaction for the tip. I'm sure I jumped off the couch. But it, my answer is has to be the tip. It sent Seattle to the Super Bowl. Um, Richard Sherman with, you know, somehow his arm like extended longer, you know, he had the go-go gadget arm, <laughs> got up there and, and tipped the ball to, to Malcolm Smith for the interception. Um, and then of course, you know, talking about iconic sound bites, you know, ran, ran up and had that interview with Aaron Andrews, uh, you know, don't you ever talk about me. Right. So it's, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I've got it right behind me. That was the, you know, that was the gift to myself after winning fantasy football a few years ago. Um, and it's it's one of those moments that will go down in, in Seahawks history for sure. Peter, which one That's do you amazing, have? Man. Yeah, I um, man, man, you give me like goosebumps all running through all those all those iconic iconic plays. Um, yeah, I I could go right back to every single spot too. I remember the I remember what I did. I remember who I was with. Um, and you know, I remember that game against the Saints for uh, you know. We were getting so much crap talked about us. We don't deserve to host a game. Seven and nine, what the hell? You know, Saints, it's ridiculous. They should be hosting this. We should be going to New Orleans. Um, and, you know, no one was giving us a chance or anything. Um, and that, that, was, that was Matt's last year, huh? Right? Yep. That, that was, was Matt's his last, last year. His last home game as a Seahawk. Last home game. Um, I think, honestly, man, I just... I have to go with Beastquake because I, re- I remember when that happened and 
it just, you know, he breaks through the hole and then kind of goes up and then cuts right. And I remember like I had one of my good friends, he was there, and I'm just like, I got my arm around him, and I'm just like squeezing harder and harder. And I just start yelling, just like off the top of my lungs, like I'm right there with all the twelves, you know, at Quest and we're together and jumping up and down. And then you just see him, you know, get up the right side and he just then he just stiff arms the guy and he goes off. And then just it was a whole new octave of of yelling and just like emotion coming through. And then you're running up and you see Matt start you know making his way into the screen as well and he's doing he's giving it everything he has and like you just feel like you're running with him like you feel like you're put you're blocking and helping march on get there to the goal line and all the linemen catch up and um i uh and then he and then he pulls in and just does he finally gets there and he does like his his, his signature pose there as he's crossing the goal line and <laughs> i just remember like that that type of excitement you know, I've had it a couple of times, but I think that may be the the top level of excitement I've ever experienced from one single play of pure emotion just coming through, and then and then hearing about how you know we we started we caused a, a mini earthquake because we were going so crazy up there in Seattle, and and then just also what that play kind of cemented for us, you know, winning the game we never should have won. Uh, no one gave us a chance. It shouldn't have happened. We were a losing record. And it didn't matter. We took that. We got the win. Um, I remember Matt walking off, you know, video of pictures of him with his son at the time on his shoulders uh, as a little kid. And then, you know, it's his last, you know, his last game there in Seattle. Um, what a, what a, what a last game to experience, right? That's you can't, besides maybe winning a Super Bowl. How else do you go out better than that kind of ending of a game? Um, it was incredible. So I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember vividly that Kaepernick's making the drive with the Niners, and I'm like, shoot, are they going to do this? Are they going to do this last minute, just take it away from us? And then the relief. I think it was more of a relief for me type feeling with with, with Sherman, just like, no, like I knew we had the game, and then he like, yeah, we do have it. It was Well, I loved it. It was a relief for me. The the, the Marshawn one was just pure adrenaline, like, oh, my God, he was not expecting that. And then it yeah. happens right in front of your eyes. But both plays, yeah, man, go down in history forever. And uh, so cool. I remember watching both of them live. It was amazing. They're, they're both on the, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore of, of Seahawks plays. And like you said, with the, the the Sherman tip, like it was such a nervous energy of like, yes, oh, oh no, is this actually happening? And then it, totally. was, it was such a, a weight off the shoulders. Like, oh, like I can relax again and like actually drink yep. my beer without choking on it and my, my friend <laughs> Nigel chiming in here that he loves these memories as well. And listening to you talk about the, um, about the beast quake and your reaction. And, and it, it, you know, it's just like, it's replaying in my head and, and same thing, like just goosebumps. Like it, as you talk about it, cause I remember these, you know, Matt running up field with his, uh, wasn't his wrist broken on his non yes, and, like, and then he yeah. just like stumbling forward, just trying to give it everything he has, you know? Yeah. And, and it just gets us in. And I, I, I probably watched that play over and over. I, maybe at least, I would say at least 50 times, honestly, like within that week, just I kept watching it over. And Mike Mayock, yeah, get off me. He's like, oh, God, <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then just, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the the interview of Matt talking about about that moment and about walking off the field with his kids and and what it made. Like that was the one and only time that his kids had ever actually gotten to be on the field at the end of a game like that. And and uh and how much it meant to him so yeah definitely definitely a cool uh you know very very cool moment for sure and uh yeah. you know I, I don't think there was a, a a wrong answer there's no wrong between, answer there there's no wrong answer with any of these 
Well, I do have to crown a winner of this. So one of you is going to be wrong. So I I hate to break up your party (laughs) here, but (laughs) one of you is going to be wrong. Um, And obviously it's coming down to the last one. You both picked Sean Alexander in the first one. Great choice. Uh, You both picked Matt Hasselbeck. You both picked Hasselbeck saying we want the ball and we're going to score. So it's coming down to the Beastquake versus the Sherman tip. So uh, being the non-Seahawks fan here, I get to use my own bias uh, opinion on this. And I also, too, have watched the Beast Quake mode uh, at least 50 times just as a pure football fan. Um, you know, I, I don't think I went back to watch the Richard Sherman tip. Uh, I don't think they caused an earthquake on the Richard Sherman tip. Um, I also don't think there's the perfect... And I mean, perfect play call of Mike Mayock. Like when you were talking about getting goosebumps about the moments, every single time I listen to Mike Mayock's commentary on that run, I legit get goosebumps and, you know, not being a Seahawks fan. So because of that, Peter, you are the winner of the third down segment. (laughs) And Chris kind of copied you and cheated you. Awesome, I'll take it. Love I, it. Go, I, go, I, go Hawks. Yeah, I, I had a feeling because I as soon as Peter started talking about the you know the Mike Mayock get off me, <laughs> a, a light bulb went off. Like, oh yeah, that's like one of Steve's all-time favorite sound bites. Like all like not just like like Ravens aside, like all-time football sound bites. That's one of Steve's favorite. Oh, it's just um, so and, good. Like it it just it so was good. everything that that moment had just like from a pure football standpoint like we didn't know there was earthquakes going off or anything like that but you know Peter you're right the whole commentary leading up to that game was like this is such a joke why are like the golden boy saints like why do they have to travel to Seattle to play this nothing Seahawks team uh Mm -hmm. and that was like what the Seahawks were like this rough tumble like I'm gonna put my fist in your face type team and like that moment like basically embodied the entire thing and oh yeah i like i still have goosebumps just talking about that because it's just like it's the yeah i think that's the best run maybe in nfl history to be honest i don't know how you how you beat that i i if there's any game that i could i'd give so much up for to be able to go back in time and experience it in the stadium it would have been that i that would have been just in i would have loved to have heard the roar i don't even know if we had I know, like the technically, the Chiefs have like come up and done a official one. One that was being recorded loudest roar ones. I would, I think, it'd be hard pressed to find. I think we would have destroyed that record. Oh, yeah. I think we did. It just wasn't being recorded, unfortunately, for the loudest cheer ever recorded at a sports stadium for that play. It ha- I can't picture other play infusing so much emotion energy into a fan base than that i, I mean it it was recorded if if we're being totally transparent it was recorded but it was recorded on the richter scale not like oh, i know <laughs> not in but like a, a sound bite, didn't right? get that like that is the fact that it showed up on the richter scale is enough to tell you that that would have blown uh whatever record the chiefs currently have like completely out of the water oh, i agree it would have been sure. nuts it would have been nuts. It was, and I, and I, what's funny, too, is I remember, I don't know when I heard this, kind of recently, I think, apparently we, we, we completely misblocked that play. It was a complete <laughs> breakdown on the blocking scheme. That was, it was a mess up. And still, though, that play occurred. And I was like, Which damn. Which is hilarious, because then they ran Beastquake 2.0 against Arizona. Yes. Oh, right? God, I remember that play, too. Yeah, and he ended it that the was, exact same way. 
and then go. Yep, I was I was on a layover. <laughs> yeah, I forgot where I was at, but I remember I'd order Domino's pizza. I was on a layover. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna. I think it was Thursday night football or something. I think like, so, yeah, something like that. And I ordered Domino's pizza, and I was eating my pizza as he was doing that. I was going crazy. It was great. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. Um, I want some more of those plays back. I want. I want to experience that again. I miss that kind of feeling. Oh. Big time. I, like the, the Russell Wilson moon balls are are fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but they're not those you know those big playoff moments. Yep. Yeah. No, we'll get them back. It'll it'll come. It'll come. Uh, we're just we'll, over we'll the hour soon. marker here now, so uh, we uh, we we appreciate you taking some time out to chat with us and and giving us over an hour of your time here. Um, we want to give you a, a little time here at the very end, just as like a, we call it shameless plug. So, you know, what, what are you up to recently? Anything on the go for, for you? Yeah, I, um, you know, so right now just, uh, flying a bunch, um, you know, for, for flying for United and, uh, pr- promoting my book. Honestly, that's the biggest thing right now. Um, if any of you guys are interested, I actually just did a zoom. So if you guys can see this, this is a nice. my new book, the adventures of pilot Pete. Um, fortunately nothing really Seahawk related in this one, but, uh, <laughs> just, you know, my first love story with aviation, obviously keeping it on the love theme from, from the whole show bachelor and, um, if you guys interested, you can uh, get a signed copy at um, from my Instagram. I have a link up on my bio or theadventuresofpilotpeat.com. Um, get yourself a copy there. It's just a great book, hopefully, to inspire you know children to chase their dreams. Um, other than that, yeah, if you guys um, – I want to start talking more Seahawks stuff. Love to have you guys on too for, uh, for my roommate and I's podcast, uh, Bachelors in the City. Um, you know, It's not, not really Seahawks-themed, just kind of living in the city type thing. Um, so if you guys are a fan of the show, maybe you'll enjoy that. But – uh, those are really the two two big things uh, projects that I have going on, and um, yeah. But this has been this is the stuff I love, man. I could talk Seahawks all day. I'm, I I love it. I love it so much. I wish I was at the game right now. You know, it was, it was playing uh, in LA. Uh, if it didn't get changed, but um, yeah, that's about it. Nice. Um, I I always give you the last words here, Chris. So again, I don't want you to cry. Uh, so. <laughs> um, I just want to say, uh, Peter, thank you again for coming on. Um, you know, like we were discussing before we went live here, um, you know, working around uh, three different schedules. Um, it was a lot of back and forth, but I'm glad we were able to to make it work here. Um, it was a lot of fun talking Seahawks with you, and and I'm I'm happy to chat Seahawks with you. Uh, you know, when whenever you want, we're always happy to to welcome you back. And and uh, you know, you know, you know where to find me on Instagram as well. I. I run the Instagram account, obviously. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll always we'll always chat uh, always chat Seahawks over there as well. Um, thank you for letting me know where to find your book. My wife was asking me. She's like, make sure you ask him where to find his book. She's like, I want to get a copy, so I'll be sure to jump oh, online and, and order a copy for. I've got uh, you saw my seven year old. I've got <laughs> a, a four year old little boy as well upstairs. You you may have heard his baby elephant steps <laughs> running around. Um, Love it. And, uh, and I will, uh, you know, maybe I will start training for that New York city marathon and, and, uh, we'll be in touch about that as well. So yeah, man, Otherwise, absolutely. Uh, everyone, uh, thank you everyone else for, for tuning in, listening to, uh, the live stream it will be available in its podcast format. Uh, either, uh, I think tomorrow we'll probably drop it, um, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we are the Ballhawks podcast. We're a part of the Dean Blundell network. You can find us on social media at Ballhawks underscore pod. And as I end every episode, guys, go Hawks. Go Hawks, baby. Let's go.
Peace. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.